Okay. I'm going to switch gears. This is kind of a, a big switch of gears and um it's going to be quicker than than a normal Chris Lance sermon, so don't worry. It's also not really a sermon. Um I talked to Jasper Camp. Uh, I I'm the one who spoke to the kids and then I I talked to them and then the idea was that the the testimony that would come after would would illustrate the point of what I had said and Angie gave me some really good feedback that you weren't personal at all with the kids and the kids connect to that. And that was kind of intentional. I wanted them to connect with the the testimony teller, but she's right that um, personal stories mean more than just some story you pull out of somewhere. And so I'm going to share a bit of a testimony, a bit of my testimony today of something very recent. And I call it fear and death on a Friday afternoon. It's yeah. I just wanted to share, this is what's been on my heart lately. And Declan and Brett, you already heard this, so I apologize. Um, and just say, get personal. Be careful what you wish for. because this may get personal. But be careful what you wish for is, I've had that experience a few times in my life. Um, probably half a decade ago, I used to sit in the barber's chair and I'd fall asleep immediately. Like I just, I couldn't sit in the barber's chair without nodding off. And I used to think, I just wish I didn't need to get a haircut anymore. Be careful what you wish for. Um, on the much, much more serious side, uh, you guys knew me, many of you knew me when I was a junior high kid and were willing to take a risk hiring me as a pastor, and I'm so thankful for that. But as a junior high kid, I, di- I didn't, every time I was here, whether it was for ABC, youth group, or church, my mom was always here too. And you, you probably remember this. Uh, she was all, she was, she, she would dive into something. And she would dive into things that I was involved in. And so that, in, that would include, um, school stuff. She was always at the school, huge leader figure there. And I used to wish as a kid, I, I always felt like I couldn't go anywhere without my mom. My mom was always there with me. I just want some space for my mom. And so I got that. And the last way that I would have ever wanted in 2015 when um, she kind of uh, gave up on the family and, and I got my wish. But it's not at all what I, I actually wish for. I don't want that. The other thing that I used to wish for, more than any other thing really, I mean I used to wish for Super Nintendo games and I used to wish for hockey cards. But the thing that I would wish the most was to escape death. Um, as a kid, I was terribly afraid of death. I, I used to have uh, panic attacks and um, I'd be falling asleep and I would just, my mind would start racing about what's the worst thing that could go wrong. And I used to have these, all these fantasies is the wrong word, these mental images of somebody breaking into the house and coming downstairs and, and k- killing us. And I used to, to fabricate all these escape plans in my basement and how I would get out when, not if this happened. I assumed it would happen. And that's probably fueled by Hollywood. I used to watch a lot of movies that maybe a 12-year-old shouldn't watch till they're a little older. But I used to have nightmares, panic attacks. Um, and the thing that would calm me down, finally, either I would go upstairs and it was embarrassing, but I would go tell my parents that I was having this and they'd calm me down. Or... I would listen across the room was Dusty and I'd just listen to him breathing and that would calm me down and I'd fall asleep. I used to think if he can fall asleep, why can't I fall asleep? And I'd fall asleep. But it, I, I had no real traumatic or tragic loss 
in my childhood, my Aunt Patty died when I was, I don't know, junior high. And I loved her, but that wasn't the hugest deal. It wasn't until my grandpa died, Grandpa Lance, in 2000, um, January 2013. That was the first death of someone I, that meant a lot to me. And so I was old by then. As a kid, I, I never, death was this foreign thing, it, it, but I was terrified of it. Um, I wanted to escape it. In fact, I had read stories in the Old Testament. There's two stories in the Old Testament of, of people who escaped death. One was Enoch in the book of Genesis, early on in the book of Genesis. It says he was old and he walked with God and he never died. God just took him up. Uh, the other is Elijah. At the end of his ministry, this flaming chariot comes down from the heavens and scoops him up and swoops him up and he doesn't die. He just is transported to heaven. And I thought, I want that because death is scary and I want to avoid it at all costs. I want to just be scooped up to heaven in a flaming chariot and just bypass death altogether. I was 14 years old and I was having a midlife crisis. <laughs> I just was terrified of death. And those two things, fear and death, were what first led me to take Christianity seriously. Fear, I had this cousin, Cam, who was my best friend growing up. And they, they went to church and I didn't growing up. And I remember one day on the farm, we were walking around and he said, do you know about Jesus? And I was like, no. So, well, you need to know Jesus or you'll go to hell. Hell is where you go if you don't know Jesus and it's this lake of fire and you'll burn for eternity and you need to know Jesus. And that was scary. So I thought, okay, well, I guess I believe in Jesus now so I don't burn in fire for eternity. But then the death thing too, he said, apparently, if you believe in Jesus, you will have eternal life, which I took to mean just really long. like. You'll die and then you'll just be alive forever. Eternal life, I know now, means a lot more than that. But that sounded pretty good. Escape hell and live forever? Sign me up. And so I decided to believe in Jesus. And my belief was like this amusement park ticket. That when I got to the end of the line, I would hand Jesus my ticket that says admit one, obviously. And he'd let me into heaven. He'd turn to Satan and say, sorry, buddy, not today. This one's mine. And I'd get to go to eternal life and I wouldn't burn in the fire for eternity. I'd be in. And I believe that for a long time. When that's all you believe about Christianity, is it's just a ticket to get you to heaven, then it's pretty empty. And it didn't change my ugly, hateful heart. And it didn't reshape my ugly, selfish mind. And it didn't give me any real sense of hope or peace or joy for this life that I'm living now. It was just a safety net in case my worst fears were realized and some terrorists looking for my hockey cards came to the basement and shot me my bed. That's all it was, just a safety net in case I die. Well, Friday afternoon, as I mentioned, I performed a funeral for a man who I didn't know, a man who Daryl knew very well, a special man to Daryl. I met with the family on the Monday. He died the Friday before, suddenly, of a heart attack. And I met with the family, and when you're in that situation, it is instant intimacy. They, I mean, they had seen me twice at Ryan's wedding and uh, at another funeral I had done for the family, um, for Ryan's grandpa. And so they kind of knew who I was, but I'm walking into their home in an intensely personal, intimate situation. And there's tears, and they're sharing stories, and there's compassion, and there's pain. And I'm it. how he died was tragic. His daughter held him. In his arms as he died, um, it just, it's an awful thing for anyone. And this man was 66, 
If I die when I'm 66, that means right now, today is my halfway point. So I'm 33. And so that shook me a little bit. The funeral service was very nice. Um, there was a large group there, 350 or so, would you say, Dale? Yeah, maybe 400. A good-sized crowd. And there was laughing there. There was tears there. Um, just a good memorial service. And then afterwards, just a few smaller group went to the graveside. And that's always a really solemn experience, too. Um, the graveside was, I read from First Corinthians 15. Family put roses on the casket. The people who loved him and the closest to him put roses on the casket. And then we watched as it slowly lowered. And some of the family had to had to go away, as is often the case. But as I watched the family place roses on the casket, and as I watched them weep openly and embrace each other, and as I watched them lower this shell of a man in a shell of a box into a hole in the ground, it wasn't wasn't victory that I felt. I, I mentioned this to Daryl before that I'd be talking about this, so I I, I don't I'm, I want to honor the man who passed away, obviously. But the feeling that I got watching that casket, first of all, I was thinking, what if this was somebody I love? How devastating that would be. And so there's that sadness. But there is more than just that empathy sadness. There's the sadness of, what's the point? What's the point? This man didn't know Jesus. And in fact, resisted Jesus actively throughout his life. Um, And I had the family tell me that point blank. They still wanted a Christian funeral, but... This man didn't, didn't, didn't want Jesus in his life. And so the sadness was rooted in that question. What's, what's the point of, of life? What's the point? And I, that, that sunk into me and stung me for, for quite a while. There's a book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes. If you've never read it, it's a great read. But the three-word phrase that you hear over and over in Ecclesiastes is everything is meaningless. Everything is pointless. Basically, it's one book dedicated to that question. What's the point? You work hard, and that's great, but then you die, so what's the point? You play, you, you enjoy food and wine that you like, then you die, so what's the point? There's pleasure, there's war, there's life, there's death. What's the point? Everything is meaningless. This man, he worked hard every day. That's the thing I got the most out of this man. He worked hard all the time. He still died. The family said he's a bit of a grumpy dude a lot of the time. But he loved his family dearly. He loved a lot of people dearly. He still died. Heard stories of he visited Poland. He helped orphan baby birds. He enjoyed fishing. He grew huge cucumbers. He died. He still died. Made me think, I've been to lots of, I've been to Edmonton Oilers playoff hockey games and I love that. Doesn't matter. One day I'm going to die. I, I, Got to go, like him, I got to go to Poland. I got to stand in the sacred space of Auschwitz. I'll remember that till I die. But I'm going to die. So what's the point of all this? A few dozen people will remember him the rest of their lives, but others will forget. And before long, the only impact we will leave on this earth is a stone that has our name on it. Same will happen to me. Everything is meaningless. What's the point? Now, I'm being dark on purpose because I want to offer you some light and some hope. But that question, what's the point, is the single most important question you will ever ask yourself, intentionally or otherwise, because whether you know it or not, you are living your life answering that question, what's the point? Whatever you're doing in life, you're doing to answer that question. So you might as well ask it and be intentional about it. 
What's the point? It shapes every decision you'll ever make. What's the point? And so driving back from Gibbons, I asked myself the same question, and it was stuck in me, and I couldn't get it out of my head. And it it wasn't at first a light feeling. It was a very dark and heavy, what's the point of all this? And as I thought about it, the same old childhood fears crept in, fears of death and loneliness and purposelessness. If I'm just going to die, what's the point of this life? Not in a forlorn, like, I might as well end it all anyway, at all. Just a really philosophical, rooted in who I am question. What's the point? But here's where the story is different today than it was when I was 10, 11, 12 years old. Then I saw Christianity as this golden ticket that would get me into heaven. I saw this belief system. I had to get all the beliefs in line and then I'm in. I'm good. I'm safe. So I can live forever. That's how I used to see it. That's not how any of us should see it. That's not how the Bible portrays it. That's not how following Jesus is to look. Instead, now I see Jesus Christ, not Christianity, the religion. I see Jesus Christ, the man, as the Savior who gifts gifts me, gives and gifts to me eternal life, both now and after death takes me. Let me back up a bit. I mentioned at the graveside I read 1 Corinthians 15. It's a beautiful passage. And I encourage you, after we're done here, maybe go home and read it with your spouse. It's a beautiful passage. But I read 1 Corinthians 15, which talks about Jesus' resurrection being our assurance, our promise that resurrection is a reality for us as well. That if he can rise up from the dead, he will do that for you too. In fact, he's just the first one to do it. He's the first fruits. And each one of you, each one of you is part of the crop that is rising up and will conquer death too. The author, Paul, spends a long time talking about a seed, a seed which is a dead thing that gets planted into the ground. And out of that, out of that shell planted in the ground will rise up something alive and beautiful. And that's us, planted as a shell in the dirt one day, but out of that shell comes something lively and beautiful and and good. And 1 Corinthians 15 ends with one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible. It says, Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, But thanks be to God because he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory. He gives us the victory over death. You may remember this was the thing that first attracted me to Christianity. My wish to escape death and escape hell. And Christianity was the ticket to get me past it. I wanted the victory that Paul talked about. To kick death in the face and say, not today. That's not the victory over death that Paul's talking about, though. That's not what 1 Corinthians 15 is about. Think of Paul. We've been studying Acts. You know the stories of Paul. Every city he went into, beaten, thrown in jail, stoned, whipped, uh, mocked, ran out of town. Everywhere he, everywhere he went, death was right around the corner for Paul. And eventually it caught up to him. Eventually his Lord took him home. And you know what his attitude about all that was in Philippians 1? Hey, if I die, that's great. I get to be with Jesus. If I live, that's great. I get to spread Jesus. For me to live, Live is gain, and die is, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Thank you, Lisa. To live is Christ. Hey, that's great. To die is gain, because I get to be with Christ. That wasn't the attitude I've ever had. That's the attitude Paul had. And you know what? The same is true for Jesus. Even Jesus, the one who deserved death less than any of us, took on death. 
He suffered so greatly to give us the victory over death. That means our wish shouldn't be to find a way to escape death, as it was for me, because that's impossible. There's no flaming chariot come to scoop you up and and swiftly ride you off to heaven without death. That's not going to happen for us. Our hope shouldn't be to escape pain or suffering or death. Be careful what you wish for. That shouldn't be our hope. Christianity isn't just a fire insurance policy against the flames of hell. Instead, our hope and our peace comes from a person, a real person who is alive even today. His name is Jesus Christ. It's not some belief system. It's a relationship. Jesus doesn't promise to help us bypass pain and death. He promises instead to conquer pain and death, to give us a life that takes away fear of death now, knowing that death is the seed that grows us into something timeless and beautiful in the future. The author of Ecclesiastes saw how death comes to everyone, and he said, well, life is meaningless because you're just going to die. There's wisdom there, a degree of wisdom, but it's incomplete wisdom because Jesus changes the whole equation. In Jesus, nothing is meaningless. Nothing is idle. Nothing is worthless. There is power and beauty in every little interaction, in every thought, in everything we do, there is meaning because of Jesus. There's beauty and goodness in even the worst parts of life because he's conquered it. They have no power over us. We are free from them because of him. Life and love triumph every time over death and loneliness. And Jesus invites us to drink the living water that produces streams of life even in times of grief and uncertainty and brokenness. This is what we're trying to teach Tegan these days. I went, I was at youth group Friday night and Tegan didn't go to sleep well at all. And that's often the case when I'm not around. She gets scared. She's, I don't know what she's afraid of, but I think she's suffering a similar thing that I suffered when I was closer to her age. Just an overactive mind thinking of the worst things possible. And so we're trying to teach her that you can fall asleep. Daddy's just on the other side of the door. Mommy's just on the other side of the wall in her bed. Because <laughs> I stay up late and she's, anyway. Mommy and Daddy are there, and Mommy and Daddy will do everything they can always to protect you. But even if Mommy and Daddy aren't there, there's always God who watches over you. He protects you. And Jesus doesn't want us to be fearful. Fear strips us of power. Fear supplants faith. It takes everything that we trust in God, rips it away, and replaces it with this empty void. That's all fear does. And so, Tegan, you don't need to be afraid. Chris Lance. You don't need to be afraid. What fear is greater than the human fear of death? There's an old Jerry Seinfeld joke that says, they did a poll. The number one fear most people have is public speaking. Number two is death, which means most people would rather be the one in the casket than the one giving the eulogy. So the only thing that people fear more than death is public speaking. But on the human, in the human experience ever since the beginning of time, death has been the thing that we feared the most. And so Jesus took on flesh, he faced fear and death on a Friday afternoon, and he conquered them. He faced fear and death on a Friday afternoon, and he conquered them. Not by escaping pain, but by being transformed by it. As Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, the body that is sown, supplanted in the ground, is perishable, but it's raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, but it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, but it's raised in power. It is sown a natural body. Put in a box, put in the ground. It is sown a natural body, but it is raised a spiritual body. 
There's a transformation that happens because of pain and death. So be careful what you wish for. You don't want to miss this. To go from mortal to immortal. To go from powerless to divinely powerful. From weakness to strength. From death to life eternal. That's the experience Jesus had. And that's what he welcomes us into as well. Transformed by the cross. The cross, which was a symbol of death, is now a symbol of life because of Jesus. And Jesus, the first seed to be sown in the soil and grow to eternal life, he promises that in him, we are a great harvest of believers who are fully alive in his name, risen in beauty and power from the dirt and the crap and the mess of life, risen out of all that dirt and, and, and muck, out of that in him comes something beautiful. He is victorious. And because he is victorious, we can be victorious. So we might as well start living like victorious conquerors for the king now. What's the point? That's the point. To live as conquerors today, now. But every once in a while, those old familiar fears and pains creep back in. Death may be conquered, but that doesn't mean it won't put up a fight, right? With all the distractions of life, coupled with all the fears which accompany our imperfect faith, we, I, often lose focus on the big picture. I'm almost done. I want to share one more story. As I drove back from Gibbons, I'm, I'm a music nerd. And whenever I do or go to a funeral, there's always albums that I really want to listen to. Music that I really want to listen to. One of them is by a band called Modest Mouse. It's an album that I almost always listen to coming back from a funeral because it doesn't skirt the issue of death. And it's not really about death, but death is at the center. And really beautifully so. And there's a song on the album. It's called Lives. And the bridge of the song, the middle of the song goes like this. It's hard to remember, it's hard to remember, we're alive for the first time. It's hard to remember, it's hard to remember, we're, we're alive for the last time. It's hard to remember, it's hard to remember to live before you die. It's hard to remember, it's hard to remember that our lives are such a short time. It's hard to remember, it's hard to remember when it takes such a long time. We're alive for the first time, we're alive for the last time. You might as well live before you die. Our lives are short. It just feels long because we're in the middle of it. But our lives are short, so you might as well do the best you can with the time you're given. That author of Ecclesiastes is the point. I said at the beginning, be careful what you wish for, but I'm going to wish anyway. I wish each of us, as a church, and you as an individual, and me, would remember the life and love of Jesus that conquers even pain and death. To know that some things pass away, even lives pass away. But believing in Jesus allows us to really live before we die. And then live eternally after we die. We're alive for the first and last time, and then we die. But as Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I I gave this exact message on Friday to the youth group, and I told them that this is why we have ABC. This is why we put on Jasper Camp. This is why we have youth group. We want those young people to know this hope, to see it and want it. There's a hope that transcends death and pain because they're going to feel death and pain. Some of the young people that I know and love and care about, some of their stories are nothing but pain, it seems like. And you hear them and you just feel awful for them. But there's there's hope beyond that. And those kids 
despite that pain, make choices that make you so proud and so pleased and give you so much hope. It's just a beautiful thing. But that's why we do those things. That's why we as a church do anything. Because we cling to this hope. We have faith in the resurrection. We are resurrected people. Not sometime in the future. We are resurrected people now. Right now. And I want them, and I want you, and I want me, to know that there is hope that conquers death. To know that in him is a life that is satisfying and purposeful, even in the midst of pain and death. To remember to live before we die and to build our life on something that will last even after we are planted in the soil. I believe that that something is actually someone, Jesus. So, as I wrestled with fear and death on a Friday afternoon, I ultimately turned my eyes back to the cross, where our Lord conquered both fear and death on a similarly dreary Friday afternoon to bring us life. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for life. And it is good and it is beautiful. Even when it's messy and ugly, it is still good and beautiful. Father, in pain, help us to turn to you and know that pain has a purpose. That pain purifies us and transforms us into something that looks more like you and your son. Father, help us to not be afraid of anything. Help us to to banish fear. Holy Spirit, that's your work in us. Help us to banish fear so we can be people of power, people of faith, who serve and love you with our whole hearts, unencumbered by by pain, unencumbered by doubt, unencumbered by fear. You are good, Jesus. You were good to come to us. You were good to save us. You were good to resurrect us one day. But help us to live as conquerors, as victorious people uh, right now for you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Sorry if that's heavy on an August afternoon. Um, It's worth thinking about and pondering what's the point. 